Hello, Paul here. Thank you for deciding to put this podcast in your ears, these conversations with people who make things about the what, the how and the why of their creativity. If you haven't already, then why not subscribe via Apple Podcast or whatever your streaming portal of choice is. It's on most of them. And if you are interested in creativity, making the things that are most important to you and how to bring all of that more deeply into everyday life, then you might find some stuff of interest at my website, paulmccauley.net. Give that a second. And that's it. Thank you again and enjoy the episode. Which gets the energy going. Um, So one of the things that I considered when I was putting this podcast together was that I really enjoyed those conversations, listening to those conversations where it people uh, coming together and you know creating new meaning and new understanding and stuff and that's my hope for the conversations in creative loving spirit i noticed in editing i noticed in editing the episode you're about to listen to is that wow this sense making meaning making thing is basically something i'm definitely doing in the room i found it quite torturous listening to me trying to Uh, comprehend and articulate some of my thoughts and inquiries um, for my guest uh, Alina I think it comes off all right I mean it's authentic right I mean I'm I'm just trying to understand the world like everyone else is that's that's fair enough isn't it so this conversation is with artist uh, Alina Azade who uh, I met up with back in December on a cold December day uh, last year her home. We talk about Alina's heritage, how her artistic practice has developed over the years, coming to where it is today, um, where she's producing work as a writer with materials, working a lot with people and public and creating spaces where people engage with uh, work, um, as well as having this sort of quieter solo kind of practice to the things that she creates. There's stuff about working as a freelance artist and that balance between the offer that you make with your work and how that engages with the world and uh, clearly at the time I was trying to understand a few things around gifting one's work about trying to understand when your work is finished and uh, yeah So please forgive me as I bumble around trying to understand my own thoughts long enough to articulate a proper question. Alina is wonderfully articulate um, about her experience and how she creates work. So just lean into that really. Okay, so this is me speaking with Alina as a day. In those moments of flow, you know, there's a great sense of like anyone who sits there and goes, oh, that's a talent I can't draw, just hasn't had the right teacher. And actually, sometimes you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff that'll never go on. Because if it's not getting any reaction at all, or just a man, it'll just work out what should go on. Try harder. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making something because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have it. Hello, Seth. My name's Alina Azadeh. And I'm, a, yeah, I'm an artist. And, um,. Sometimes I do performance and I write and I work a lot with people 
in my work and with materials and stories. I work in quite an interactive way, sometimes in public, quite a lot in the public realm. And then I have my own kind of solo practice. So I kind of move between those two realms, kind of quiet solo work and then working with lots of people around big themes generally. And yeah, so um, so I'm interdisciplinary. 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 It's such a long word to actually get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so combine lots of different media. But mm. I'm originally from a visual arts background, so that's been my original mm. path. Okay, that's where you, that, mm. that's uh, again. You're studying. Mm. Yeah, painting, painting yeah. drawing, painting, and then um, interactive to digital media. In way back in the early days, what just got me into thinking about other people's experience of my what I was creating. So uh, I went okay. from the solo artist make work in studios and on their own type paradigm, mm. bohemian, whatever, 19th century, to, oh, actually this is about relationship with um, an audience or another person and how they experience what you're creating. And so that's what working in digital uh, media for something like six, seven years I really? did. And working with teams. So at the very start Around. of, yeah, very start of web design, when the web mm. first, when I was, there were a lot of fine artists who co-opted to become designers in the web industry. Yeah, uh, so it was really exciting before it got all into sort of about advertising. It was it was quite cutting edge. <clears throat> I mean, still there are still aspects of that, but at the time there was loads of money going into paying people who weren't qualified yeah. in the, that kind of path but came from a visual arts background to learn the programs and then create interesting stuff that was then used commercially. But so, so, so there was a lot of uh, creative collaboration that went on that was quite cutting edge and interesting. Ah. And, you know, still, there are still remnants of that in different outfits. And, you know, Blast Theory, for example, they're mm. still going in that vein. But um, So I think that's where I learned about uh, this, the idea of that art is not just about, you know, creating a thing and then it being marketed to people or mm. being got out there. It's about an, um, a relationship or co creative collaborative encounter or 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 it's about interactivity yes so then um but then that got all quite commercialized and you know, so i and i got a bit disillusioned with it and what it was all kind of about so then um yeah got into i did an ma and got into installation um and was that directly that was a because something had been awoken. Or yeah, well, I I got into the idea of I was looking. I wanted. I was interested in um, uh, sacred space and poetics of spaces, mm. and um, can't quite remember, but um, uh, and uh, the, the yeah the nature of how a space can change a person's state of mind, mm. certain spaces. So I kind of studied different spaces and also architecture how that can do it. there's a book called the poetics of space mm. a guy called gaston bachelard is french thinker and philosopher and loved it like he talks about the home the house and kind of as a being um and how you know yeah the different characteristics of different parts of of the inside of places so i did an installation in my home turned it into a public installation and mm. filled like filled the understairs cupboard with, you know, fake roses and the sound of the cats purring and filled the front room 
with mirrors and recorded the view of the of Kemp Town seafront and then brought all the sound into the front room so people couldn't tell whether what they were looking at was internal or external. So it's about this confusion between internal and external states and what you can matching of different senses. Oh. So I was interested in playing around with that, you know, spaces and states of mind and sub sub the sublime. So I was pointed to the idea of the sublime. And then... Um, <clears throat> how, do you, how do you define the sublime? Uh, I don't actually know. How do you define the... Oh, God. Uh, the sublime. I guess it's something that kind of is um, a state that lifts you into something that's kind of transcendent or mm. is out of your... Um, out of your controlled kind of um, conscious mind state and maybe has an element of of, of um, there being no longer a separation between mm. one and, and and the space or a greater sense of being. I don't know, it depends how, depends what tradition you come from. Right. Yeah, because, yeah, I think it depends what tradition you come from, but that was kind of that thing of like evoking something. So literally in evoking an internal different kind of internal state through the way that um, uh, environment can be transformed or played around with. Yes. So when people would come, you know, they come to a... I mean, this is quite current now. People do this kind of work all the time, but at the time, yeah, it was quite... People were quite taken aback. So um, so it was just turning inside out the idea of what a private space is. And so people would fall asleep and they'd come into the garden, for mm. example, and... And it was kind of filled with projections and poetry, but it had a kind of certain atmosphere about it. It was about creating a, and they'd fall asleep and we'd have to kick them out at the end of the day. <laughs> they didn't kind of want to leave. <laughs> or they'd, um, yeah, so quite contemplative, I suppose. Right. I think contemplation and all that was part of it. It was like, yeah, how can you use sort of elements to kind of create uh, a public space that's contemplative and intimate? I think I mentioned intimacy, mm. but en masse, how do you create en masse intimacy? Mm. Mm. That's kind of what other projects that I've done have been have been about. It's, um, so that particular project mm. being the space um, within the real, it was called space within. It the was real. my first installation, public installation piece. It was my MA sort oh, of right. end of end of my course piece. Did, so that sounds like there was a um, sort of crystallization or the manifestation of you know where you were, what you were learning at that time. Did, did that yeah. feel? Um, how did it feel to do that? Did, was that was that a leap for you? Well, I see. I was really into. Um, well, I, I've yeah, just through my mum being Iranian, but into like Sufi poetry, mm. and so I was always using that to kind of get inspiration. So I was quite interested in how do you make a place be a poem? <laughs> do you mm. see what I mean? Like, mm. how do you have elements of that? How do you how do you transform a space into a kind of poetic experience? Mm. And how do you create that kind of reflectiveness that you get when you're reading a poem and it sort of sinks like in at a certain level? Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you evoke how do you create that? Um, uh, and I just and it was quite exciting to have lots of people because it was part of the writing festival trail. So people came in. It was over three weekends. Quite a lot of people came through. A few hundred people, I think, over the three weekends. Um, first time I'd opened up. A space and create a public space and people came in and and so there was this interaction i mean i was just cooking iranian food the whole time so i was giving i was doing the right. i was a meal maker i was just giving everyone a meal who came through the so i was confusing the domestic as well mix, mixing up the domestic and 
idea of service with, you know, people a bit confused. And it was free, so people were also quite confused. <laughs> offering to pay me. I was like, no, it's part of the work. And <laughs> so I was just, I mean, that was the first time I'd done something like that. It was a yeah. long time ago now. But um, so it was quite exciting because it was like, oh, actually, I really enjoy creating spaces and people and seeing how people kind of um, transform when they're in them. Mm. And then what kind of thoughts or reflections or, or connections between people happen. So yeah. that was that just, that was that bit me. That's what got me into in public installation Right, work. it's that yeah. uh, the re- response and seeing the the, the change or the, the impact of, yeah. uh, of people stepping into that. Yeah, even if it's like people glimpsing each other in the mirrors in the front or like lying on the in the garden and conversations between str- pe- strangers interacting, I find really exciting. You know, people you create something and then people come in they don't know each other and through the work they have an interaction. Or something happens between that's nothing to do with you, but it is. You started it, but it's not really. It goes beyond what you've done. Mm. I've, I find that really, and that's the same with all, a lot of my projects. Is that it's generative. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Um, I might come back to that, but I'm I'm really interested yeah. to understand where your appreciation and, and love for, I guess, the, the poetry of space and mm. and also the what um, occurs when people interact with that space but where does that come from what, what's what was ah. seeded deep in your um, um, past that makes that no. valuable to you I think probably my mum was from Iran mm. and um, we were brought up mm-hmm. yeah so we oh, I mean I was brought up in suburban Tunbridge Wells right right my dad was English is English mm. but my mum it was like Tehran Bridge Wells, you know, so my mum was like a real <laughs> social satellite and she was also, the revolution happened when I was 11 and so um, she was very active in trying to help people um, who were getting out and but we we knew or knew through like cousins or kids uh, kids of friends who had to get out quickly or um, uh, so came to stay with us or we fostered or adopted or and um, she was always making big meals, and so there's always that someone could turn up, you know, and you would welcome them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, as opposed to yeah, so, so so that was a quite particular, yeah, that was like characterized my childhood, I suppose. Just that the door is open for people who need to come in, and she was very gregarious, and she was always cooking all the time. She had like three rice cookers, and yeah. you know, a, a meal for thirty wouldn't be a problem or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In yeah, so um. I think it came from her and also she was there really into the poetry and the literature and she's very, very, very patriotic and into her culture and um, and the ancient nature of her culture as well and trying to counteract the negative perceptions of Iran through reminding people that there were this long legacy in history of this amazing civilization and yeah. so she kind of embedded that in us. Um, yeah, but just she was very social social person so I think that kind of maybe comes from her mm. possibly or just it being a normal thing to and also you, yeah she made people feel very at ease you know you'd go in and people would just feel really at ease so that's I probably think there's and then yeah there'd always be funny connections between people and she'd meet people on while she was travelling on the street or people in, and they just people just turn up and she'd befriend people in ran, random situations and they'd you'd come round you know, like mm. I don't know, she made connections between people, or she was she was kind of the glue. Mm. So I think it maybe maybe it comes from her. 
It sounds well, mm. you, yeah the description of well, yeah. the, the space that you lived in and, and how people yeah. interacted in that sounds very um, uh, yeah yeah in tune with with how you know, the spaces you create now yeah. in your work yeah um, and so so I I'm interested in. Um, so there's a balance between you know the solo, mm. your uh, voice and your interest and 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 the facilitating others. I'm just, how do how do you how do you balance those things? Because I could I'd imagine yeah, um, you yeah yeah how how do you hold those two okay. things? So probably the best way is to describe a project where I did that. Because that's the most uh, okay. concrete way, isn't it, anyway? Yeah. So okay, project? so I'll be, um, I did a project that this is probably probably one of my favourite projects that I did. Probably, probably one of the most emotional projects, in a way. Mm. Is that, so my mum died very suddenly in the um, tsunami in 2004. And I was the executor of her estate. So I had to deal with all her things. Um, and as uh, part of the process, so... Um, I had the kind of collection of her things connected to her identity, like I had her checkbook keys, old phone, da, 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 rice cookers, and, that. and I had been like interested in textile. I've been doing, I've done projects around using textiles, and I I started doing this thing where I would wrap objects. So I had done this thing where I bind old objects, mm. unwanted. I did one installation of binding unwanted uh, objects for this show around abandonment and. Anyway, I started to um, just literally, very, very, almost without realising, started to bind up her objects and then mm. turn them into sculptures. And, and it was kind of part of a grieving process. I was kind of a grieving process, so I would reflect mm. on her and, and it was like in the, each in object, yeah. But there was something really, um, it was a bit like an act of separating from her but also completing something at the same time. Mm. Do you see what I mean? There was something, and it's a very... Um, it's in many traditions, you know, you'll find it in lots of traditions. The, the binding? Of, yeah, or well, the wrapping of objects. Right. So they're in Pacific Islands, there's a thing where they wrap the belongings of the dead to protect them from influencing the, the living. Yeah. You know, they really believe in that objects have, have a life. Right. And um, it, there's Japanese, there's Japanese furoshiki wrapping, like wrapping is a big thing in Japan. It's, a, but it's of... a real craft and an art. Yes. Yeah. And um, so that the wrapping is as important as what's inside it. It's part of the gift. So how the thing about gift right. and thinking about her legacy and as a gift to me and what she'd left me. So I was reflecting on that in the process. So I call it the gifts. Yeah. So I started this collection and then I started to add in my own objects from my life. So then there was this narrative of my mum, mm. narrative of me, and um, they all had stories, right? So I, um, and I got this commission at the same time for Bristol Museum um, of a possibility of a big installation to do in the main space and I thought uh, and I'd wanted to do um, a public version of what I've just described with people uh, and mm. this was like the opportunity so I did this public call out <clears throat> through the museum and I started blogging so I was also writing about the process um, where anyone could basically send in or bring an object that represented a loss or an ending um, for inclusion in this new this collection of sculptures and it would be wrapped or I would wrap with people so we did 
possibility of coming in person mm. or, or sending it in anonymously because some of the things are quite delicate things um, or coming to my studio. So my, my idea was that, um, you know, you, if you have an object that represents something that's been lost or ended or that has, its shelf life has kind of expired emotionally, mm. yeah, that you could, you could offer it as a gift, gift it into the collection. And mm. I had this figure of 999, I don't even know why at the time. But I found out later that the number 9 is about the number of return. Oh, right. Mm. So whenever it's multiplied by itself, it comes back to 9, always comes back to 9. So it has a certain significance. Anyway, so what we did was, we um, uh, went out. So, But the reason why it works, it really worked for really, so we got lots and lots of response, was, mm. that, was that I introduced the sessions... Or, or, or online as well. I told the story of the objects. I told of my mother and her, dis- and her, you know, death just after my daughter died. So it was three weeks after my daughter was born. Um, so there was this life and death. Your daughter was born, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she was at the birth and then she went off for a break and then she never came yeah, back sort of thing. Right. So I told the story through the objects. So, so, so um, I talked about, I guess I just talked about grief, I suppose, and creativity. You know, I just, I just, it just... Was extended. It had its own narrative, and somehow, and I talked about my own experiences, and so somehow that was like a bridge for people to feel they could trust the process and give these quite precious things. Mm. So they brought all kinds of things. So everything from children. We did things in schools. The children brought like their first toys, or to like people bringing. Someone brought sent a matchbox of their parents' ashes, divorce papers. Wow. There was someone sent me like 70 keys or something of all the houses they've ever lived in, which had loads of disputes on them because they were disputed inheritance. It was like like a massive bunch of keys from Italy that arrived and to like, I don't know, things that were in the loft that represented, yeah, people who'd passed away, like sort of seashells or, or um, name change deed or um, a pregnancy tests. Wow, really yeah. personal. Yeah, really personal tests. things. And... Um, and um but there was so there was a kind of dialogue i mean there was a lot around death and grieving now but at the time i don't think there was loads particularly in the kind of art world um so it um it just something kind of yeah it it spoke to people so yeah so that basically the what happened was if you came in person you could tell the story and then there were all these materials and you could wrap and then you could gift it ceremonially to the collection and then if you didn't you sent it in the post and i would wrap so about half of them were wrapped with people and then half I was wrapping. I did a lot of wrapping, <laughs> binding. So it's wrapped, and then it was bound, and then the story was sent. And so when it was displayed, it was hung. So almost a thousand objects hung in space in the shape of a waveform, a kind of flying carpet type. And then on a wall with the stories. So there was a, you know, nine hundred and ninety-nine little cards with the stories of each object that person had written what it represented yeah so that's kind of an example of mm. you know you offer up yeah your story or your creative process or you talk about something quite profound or ref- you f- reflect on it and you share that and then people will respond you know people mm. responded i mean i think it's more the norm now and that was what in 2009 something 10 so it was i don't know it was maybe because the music like yeah the museum was a bit like, people are not going to, you know, at the time, participatory, 
It felt like or a bit of a... It was a bit like, a, oh, we don't know do that here. You know? Oh, right. Yeah, it was a bit like, oh, I don't know, you know. Was it, was it? <laughs> the curator was into it, but like some of the other museums were like, oh, the people are not going to... Oh, what's it going to look like, you know? Um, so they were a bit funny about it. Well, it does introduce... Uh, uh, an, an unknown. Nice, yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, it's when, a risk. Yeah. But I think because I was also, I mean, my mum had died, what, 2004, this was 2009, mm. five years, but I was still in the whole sort of narrative of it. I just was felt really driven. I just, I just could see it. And I do think there's an element of that with an, um, at least I know with like an artwork, for example, like that, is that you get, I mean, I, it was an image, you know, of, like I just knew that there was this collection out there mm. and I just had to kind of follow the steps. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we, there was a lot of energy that went into the call-outs and um, it was also in the museum. And, and then there was a great contact in Bristol, it was in Bristol, who got us into quite a lot of schools. And I don't know, I think there was something, because the story, I mean, I had been on the radio about the, you know, the story of my right. mind. So there was a kind of, yeah, there was a lot of interest in that. And I blogged about it quite a lot. And I don't know, somehow... Um, I just felt, I just knew that, that, I just knew it would, I just felt it was going to come together. Yeah. And um, they trusted me, my sense, strong, strong sense of that it would be okay. And if it isn't okay, it'll be a smaller collection, it doesn't matter. It'll be what it'll be. Yeah. But I did have a sense that it, it would it would come as a kind of, you know, you'd have the impact of a wave, which is how my mum had died. You know, that's what it was. It was like right. the impact of a wave of objects. If you look on, called The Gifts 1 to 999, if you look at the image, it's like, whew, you know, this whole, it has a presence to it, <clears throat> which is kind of beyond anything, it's beyond me, like I began it. It's like having starter dough for making bread, you know, and then yeah. you give the, you know, or sourdough and you give it away. Yeah. It's a bit like that sense of trusting that lots of loaves get made, and I just sort of, yeah, I mean, there's, a, but that is always inherent, and that's the exciting thing about making work in public, in the public realm is that you don't, you do not know exactly how it will turn out. Very different from sitting in a studio. And, I mean, you don't know how a painting will turn out, okay. Yeah. It's very different, though, because you're not me, in control completely. Yes. You just create a framework. makes me think of a couple of things. One, to what extent um, does your trust in the process rest upon um, your own sort of intrinsic value of, of the process? Like, this, this will be meaningful to me, and I, and I, be I really believe in it. Um, and also um, something about, well, what we were talking just before, we started this conversation, the idea mm -hmm. of letting go of expectation or uh, trusting what will be, will be. Um, those those could feel quite quite a leap, but I don't know if there's... there's a... A, a leap? Yeah. Yeah, but isn't that the creative process? That mm. There's always an element of the unknown. Alongside when you're commissioned and a creator really believes in what you're doing or doesn't, mm. you know, like, or something. Mm. You know, you've got to have people who support what you're, support the idea and really feel that, you know, and are supportive of that. So that's important. Allies is really important when you're making that kind of work. Okay. Allies is really important. Yeah, the right kind of people around. You share the I mean, belief. not always. Some people do things, yeah. Yeah. In a very solo way and they push. And maybe I was doing that to some extent. I don't know, but I think I had quite a few people who were really helping me to kind of get it out or 
could really see it or were very moved. I think also people were quite moved by the stories and the sto- my story and then, the sto- you know, there was something. There's a kind of power about it. I just kind of, I think these things, once you, when you start to give away what you do, or give away as in invite people in, mm. it kind of creates momentum. It has its own, and you allow it, it has its own momentum. If it's in sync with what people are identifying with. And yeah. it was at the time. I think now there's a lot more projects that are like that, so it will be less of a, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of work now that's sort of of that nature. Myself, I'm trying to start thinking about sharing work or how to develop work or share work with that from a place of generosity and offer and gift rather than, you know, this kind of walled idea of, well, I'm the maker and then I somehow need to get people to look at this thing um and the idea of sharing your work as you go um yeah yeah, that's just made me made me think of all of that is is that something you pay deep attention to then in developing stuff like how do i where's the overlap between what i'm feeling and needing and what where i'm seeing other people are and the need in others yeah i mean Mm. Yeah, this thing of the gift, you know, because I did quite, I've done a lot of work about around the gift. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I make work to fulfil a need in other people. Mm. But I think that's, um, I think, oh, that's presumptuous, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. Um, But I do believe that um, when I get um, ideas for work, that contain within them the necessity for it to be collective you know collectively fulfilled mm. that there's a kind of element of um like a, not a duty but a kind of yeah there's an element of service so in, mm. within that so then you're following that but it's kind of service to the idea because the idea is all encompassing of you and other people right so that's, what I mean? that's the highest yeah um but i do th- i do think you you know as an like as an I don't know there's I mean there's a lot of around this at the moment of this thing of like you know yeah that <clears throat> the uh and that's also to do with neoliberal neoliberal capitalist culture etc that tries to preserve the status of the artist as a label and a brand and mm-hmm. quantify it and it's on the market and very different from this kind of the kind of work where I mean I've tried to give away like I wanted to give away that installation or burn it and then uh, was like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so the next project I, I next project I did I was all about burning. Oh, is that the burning, burning books? books. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that goes against like the whole point of you know conservation and yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of it's a different area of the yeah. It's a different part of of, of art making, isn't it? There are different ways of making art, and some are very much about okay. So you have to be the identified author. I still believe in that. I don't not believe in that. Mm. Like I'm writing a book and I'm definitely the author of that. You know what I mean? Yes. Or or I've started a project. I'm definitely... I got given that idea. And so, yes, it's my... I have my name on it, but it's with... Often I'll do me my name with other people. So, burning the books, where I did a tour of Book of Debts around the country, it was Alina Azadeh with contributors, for example. So, um, so uh, but... There is a lot of talk now and there's a lot of work around agency so that the artists are quite well, artists can be quite well placed to, uh, you know, create agent or be part of, um, you know, uh, enabling agency in others. I don't know, you know, mm. that 
that in itself also is in a, a slight kind of yeah I don't know if that also is a is there a hierarchy there I don't know an assumption about yeah that people need agency yeah. like but um but I think it's more just about that you can equate you can create an equivalence with people mm. you know you like I've done a lot of work workshops and things where it's like okay these are the tools that I'm bringing you um what let's try them and what do you think and this is how I use them this is what I create with them let's see what if they're useful mm. to you because I do I do I, I do believe and um, particularly right now and what's going on in the world that um uh uh you know art making or 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 related practices that are inspired by art making whether they're kind of political or health based or you know well-being or whatever you know are um you know it it it, it is um it's like you can give people effectively a kind of toolkit for just imagining things differently, mm. you know, and um, seeing themselves differently. And, you, you know, there's, an, there's power in that. Uh, mm. uh, and, um, and seeing the world differently and acting differently and getting you out of a sort of certain mindset that might not be helpful or... And, um, you know, and the very act of creating... Creativity, whether it's individual or collective, you know, it reminds you that you're you have a power because you're creating mm. something from nothing. So I think that there, there is a kind of yeah. I think that artists are well placed because they have these different tools and ways of looking at the world mm. that kind of can break out of boxes, and that's an important contribution. And you see that in right now that's happening in different repressive political regimes where artists are being banned from, you know, or imprisoned or because yeah. they're threatening, right? So, so you know it proves that actually that that's it's not just a frivolous you know it's not a frivolous occupation it's it has a function in society that's really relevant right now yes i think joel's talked about that actually as well. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean just a small example to go back to your um experience i was really interested in the way you described uh, you know the the digital realm opening up and artists being the sort of vanguard of starting to ex- explore mm. that mm. and that is often the way that happens you know or um i suppose that creative impulse leads to the charging and the commercial thing or whatever the yeah. the ordered um occupation of that new space is, you know follows um that yeah. the tools to help people think in different ways you know the ability to sit in the not knowing the uncertainty of that to open the space up and um, mm. act within it um, in an open way and also to hold on to a vision. Um, I'm, I'm interested in people's um, block around that because I think sometimes there's this idea, yeah, the, the idea of the creative person yeah, um, and I'm not that and yeah. the fear of, well, how do I get started? Well, can you, yeah. Uh, what, what, what have you found in your experience sort of, um, helps people make a shift or step into that that space. Um, well, it kind of depends on the context, really. Mm. So, like I've done, I do it in two ways. So either there's a, say, a public installation or something, and people just become part of that, and so mm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a framework they can understand. So, for example, I did. Um, so the burning the book, the book of debt thing, mm. which so that was, you know, that was me inquiring around what debt is, yes. gift and debt, and 
and um, telling stories, collecting stories around debt and the power of debt, but not just financial debt, but uh, you know, emotional, you know, there's the very lot, many, many forms of debt yeah. that exist between people and what that means. And um, so I would go around. Um, so that was a framework. So it was a book. So I was like, would you like to, um, uh, you know, would you like to read this book? Would you like to contribute to this book? Because at the end of the day, the book's going to be burned and all the debts in it are going to be symbolically written off. And would you like to come and be part of this? Or, so it was like an invitation with a very particular kind of set of questions and people can contribute to it. And then, you know, it would be filled with stories and they would read them and they were, so they really knew what, what it was. So... So once they read, say, three of the existing stories, they go, oh, right, so it's not just about, like, the 20 quid I owe my... But it's about the story and why I feel beholden to him and the mm. things that happened before that made me feel like I... This is more, the more about money or, or it's about the political context of, third, um, you know, of developing countries being enslaved to, you know, the IMF or, you know, or mm. whatever level it was on, or it's about ecological debt and our connection to the planet or it's about, you know, the idea of spiritual art that souls owed to Jesus I had all these souls owed to Jesus or, so you know just it grew and grew and grew so that's a really clear example of like we'll come to a writing workshop and write something and then you know or, or we'll have a study group around debt and, and gift that's what we did as well and then people devise stories and then and then come and be part of the performance and so that's a really clear structure and then at the end we burn it and we celebrate mm. and, yeah it's symbolic it's not literal but because people are doing literally now literally burning debts which is great too but it was a, it was more of a kind of uh, it was a bit different from that, but um, uh, that's really clear. So there's that where people it's an of it's like people can walk in, can opt in, and then they they're guided and then they contribute and they're part of something and that's quite can be transforming or can, whatever it might be for them, um, and it can arouse something and there were a lot of creative writing that came out of that people which was interesting for them. Or the idea of performing when you like never performs, so they recite they were reciting stories and they mm. were part. Um, and then there's the you know a workshop situation where you've got different materials and and you have to, all you, all you really need to contend with is people's perceived notions that they're not creative, which normally yeah. comes from some uh, just you know criminal art teacher telling you that you're rubbish at art (laughs) you know don't bother or something or you know something's happened there's normally some childhood thing where so you know and so without too much thinking you give people materials in a reflective context and and Mm. and you're together and you make it safe and simple but with a kind of meaningful meaningful context like you know choose some threads and you know if I'm doing a textile, like a weaving-based piece, that's so whatever you know, choose three threads, and you know, one is an ancestor, one is a, you know, the three of the qualities that you want to embody, or you know, three people you've lost, or three people you, you know, or you know, these, or go out and find, think about three elements of the environment you want to weave in, and then you know, we we were doing it, weren't we? We were, we were yes. on a retreat, so weave that together, so that everything, so all the materials have a meaning, so they're coded. So people don't have to think about the fact they're not creative, they're just thinking about, you know, their auntie who died yes. or like the sunshine glinting on the... So so it, it has a relation to the real environment or to their real other, other levels of their life. So yeah. materials are just ways of representing that. Yeah. So they're no longer scary. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's... And, they don't, and you say you don't have to ha- be skilled to do this yeah. this is literally I just always often give the really simple ways of doing things so that 
most people can do them. Yes. That's, in some way. I think that's really interesting. That makes me think um, it's making the act meaningful because I, I think I wonder if if the block uh, sometimes for people is is the technique thing oh yes yeah. I've been told I'm not good at this or that that looks difficult to master but actually yeah. if, if the routine is less about you know the practical doing and actually the meaningful basis yeah for that then um, that's incredibly enabling because anyone um, can find something to connect yeah um, the work to Exactly. Yeah. I mean, an example, another example is that is around, you know, uh, disciplines that are gendered. So, for example, I've done a lot of stuff around craftivism, craft mm. acting, and so you know, I did some big a big project in Hull, Revolutionary Makers, which was using, and then a lot of workshops and things since, which is was looking at the history of the way that from suffrage or even before, women have used you know craft as a form of activism in for social political change and you know, the creative, use of creativity for that, and then getting people to make something. But mainly, uh, so stitch something or make something they could wear or had a word or um, a symbol or something and then have a, uh, represent a kind of conversation they might want to have or an issue. And, you know, so many people will go, oh, my God, cross-stitch, yeah, I used to have to do this. At, I was really rubbish at, or, or you know, or, 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 or that they had skills, but... They were either loved the fact that they used to do it with their grandma or something, yeah. or they like absolutely hated it. They couldn't, you know. And I was just like, it's not really about that. This is about like what you deeply care about that you want to change. And this is one of this is a method of doing that. And it's great because it because it slows you down. It's a it's a way of slowing down your thinking and reflecting mm. what you're doing. And and we don't have to produce anything that looks amazing. We just you know you're producing something unique and original to you. But it's actually about the message and. And some people really got into the technique, and that's great. Mm. But some people, you know, but for some people, it's like that's not really the point. It's just like materialize something that represents what you want to change. Or so we're going to be doing that more. But um, and so people could kind of get that, you know. And so then you have skill sharing in groups, and that's what I really like: people teaching other people to do right. things. It's the the generative. Yeah, like latent skills, you know, yeah. that are used that that connected to, you know, represent whatever have a representative domestic or. Because craft, for example, uh, certainly things like stitching or making textiles has been connected to kind of, you know, domesticity yeah. and, dis- and keeping women imprisoned and houses making lovely cross-stitch things and so they couldn't, like, get... So then they women broke out of that, of course, with suffrage and other, and other ways in many other cultures as well. Um, but um, it still has a kind of aura of that. But that's kind of being broken down now, I think. Mm still a bit of strangeness around it so I just think um, like it's another tool mm. so yeah I'm not a person who's into like massively into teaching people huge technique but some artists are and that's great and you can go to them for that but I'm more into like what can you use it for in order to reflect on or plot or mm. <laughs> or you know or, or shift your perception of something or just get in touch with that deeper kind of creative intelligence that we all have Mm. that helps us to live in a more sort of, I don't know, authentic way. See what I mean? Yes. One thing you remember you saying, which I really appreciated, was this, uh, the, the head, heart and hands. Oh, yeah. Alignment, that, that fullness of That's presence right. and... Um, 
yeah I, I don't know where that comes from when you or, or how you pay attention to that or you know what's um yeah yeah well because it's different ways of um creating different ways of knowing and you know we've pri- we privileged the thinking mind right around yeah. knowledge but you know there's an embodied knowledge in the hands mm. in that you can only activate that really if you use your hands you know you know in combination with and then if you really feel what you're making then you and you combine those things and that's really powerful i think that's why craftivism and those forms of creativity that are re- being repurposed for other things are so effective because people kind of understand that it's um you know we've come to a point where we just can't think ourselves into a better world mm. we literally have to make it and we have to feel it and we have to do you know mm. so we we have to we have to it, it's all interdependent you mm. know we have to um engage our whole selves in in the process of you know I don't know, making or um, in the process of transforming whatever we want to try, what we what we think may need to be transformed around us or connected with, or mm. uh, in those. Yeah, I think that creativity leaves that open because it's so many ways of doing that. Mm. So um, yeah, the head, hands, heart. Yeah, that's that's really relevant right now. I think. Yeah, I appreciate the. The difference between creativity and making it's that emergent, active thing rather than the mm. um, conceiving, you know, intellectually and then executing the idea. That's that's not creative. I, I just notice that myself sometimes. It's you know, thinking up the thing and then trying to execute it. And there's a subtle difference, isn't there, between you know holding the vision mm. for something as opposed to um, trying to um yeah um execute the you know some perfect plan in mm. in your head well it can be some people do some artists just work conceptually mm. and then other people fabricate what they do and then they put it into pub that, mm. you know i mean i don't know like what well, anish kapoor is a positive example of that mm. he'll conceive something and people will fabricate it he'll put it in he's quite gr- great on making that kind of work Mm. Well, I, mean, I think he is involved in the fabrication. You know, he oversees, but you know, so it kind of depends on. But some, but but I have seen a lot of work that is in the conceptual, and and actually, it's yeah. There's I yeah is not always. Um, I guess it's about accessibility. I guess I'm so not everyone's into that. I'm into things being accessible mm. because I don't. Yeah, I'm not into the kind of. I'm into. I, I get a buzz from anyone being able to find something and what I'm doing and connect with it. Mm. Do you see what I mean? They're very, I mean, there are many different ways of working. That's just the way of working that I feel drawn to. Mm. Write other people off just because they only think up things and get them made, but that's just not what I'm necessarily interested in doing. Having said that, now I'm writing a lot. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> a different thing because that, yeah, that is thinking. I guess writing is, is a course of creative form but but there's there's not a real thing that you're making but you're making thought form thought objects aren't you mm, mm. in a way you know, sort of, yeah yeah um it's a different process what's new for you or challenging you know where's that learning edge or the space that um feels important to step to but into 
that's uh, a bit unknown in terms of I don't know, a project or a practice? It sounds like writing's come to the fore a little bit. Um, but yeah. So, um, I guess, yeah, because the writing I've been doing, which is really kind of like, um, almost like a catalogue of a lot of projects that I've talked about, and they're kind of, and they're kind of life stories connected with them. So each chapter is a is a piece of the work that I've made, but with all the backstories. So, but it began through performing those pieces of writing. So, and then I just disappeared for a year and have been writing the rest of it. So then, um, is how to come back into. And now I'm trying to obviously get to agents and publishers and try and get it out in that way. But I'm really aware that it comes alive as well when I when I perform it and I've used it, I've used that writing in workshops and I've seen how that then provokes other people to then write or create. So I guess it's a relationship between something that, a project that exists in multiple forms and how you get that into the world, how you deliver mm. that in the most meaningful way, uh, the most economic, you know, how do you do that? So I'm not quite sure how that works. My first stop is to sort of try to get the work published and then and from that build up, but I'm. I also like. Yeah, I like exploring, in live con. I like. I like to do a lot more live interactive work because it's just things come alive. Yeah. And that's helped me to write. So actually, a lot of the stories I began writing first came because I performed versions of them and then the, the tested them out and then, then that helped me. That fed into the next piece of writing, or, and that's how people used to write initially, right? People began. That's how writing started out, wasn't it? It was. It was spoken yes it wasn't like it, it didn't and what I understand is that that's how writing began it was from the oral traditions so it feels a bit like oh yeah don't leave that don't leave that out like yeah you have to honor that that's kind of where it came from and actually that's and I love being in a room full of people and and like feeling the impact of story and then and then then coming up and telling me stories or in the iterative nature of mm. the work that you can put out there so I'm not gonna be like a lone author who just well, if I get, hopefully I get published, but who just, you know what I mean, is re- distanced from the, the books. Sending like, out, like, messages yeah. in bottles. Yeah, yeah. well, that's perfectly fine, that's yeah. great if you're, that's what you do, but because I'm embedded in this other way of working, mm. interesting to see how, you know, and I've had the confidence to write my stories, because it's taken me a long time to think I could do that, how I can um, use them to kind of bring spaces alive in people and have different kinds of conversations about the themes in there, which are all quite relevant to today, you know, which around, well, whether it's around loss and creativity or around being mixed race or around, you know, mother-daughter relationships or around, you know, kind of, um, you know, colonialism or whatever. It's sort of, that's quite exciting. And But I don't, it's an unknown because I don't quite know what the path is to that because if you think about the nature of publishing now, it's kind of changing, isn't it? Because... Mm. So for me, it's like, of course, it would be written, but it also be audio. It has to be immediately be an audio, but, but it would also be something you perform. But then also you would do workshops. So it like has this. So I immediately think of in an interdisciplinary way about anything I do. I think around it in different ways. And sometimes I get caught because it's like, well, be focused, just do one thing. Yes. But it's really hard to do just one thing. I have done one. I have focused on getting this thing written, but like I do find that it's like, yeah, but it's asking to be have these multiple forms. So that's a bit of an unknown. I don't quite know how it'll play out, but it comes down to the right allies. Yes. Right. So you have to find like the right allies who believe and 
and then that leads to the next person and then the, there's an opportunity that comes up to perform that or to publish you know so again again it's trusting the process that if you're given a piece of work like really strongly like I was to write the rest of this these stories into a book that then there's a place for it mm. that is the optimum place where it can reach you know the optimum amount of people they'll be you know so I do still very much think of audience but when I'm writing I'm just in the in the process of the making of the story yeah but it does excite me like when I deliver those stories I have done before like what happens is yeah uh, the power of that is like I'd like that's what I'm looking forward to you were describing there a sense of possibility around the kernel or the, the, the you know the, the core of an idea places it can go mm. um, and I've just wondered how you saw is there a a balance or a tension or a relationship between you know the openness of what could be and remaining sort of authentic to um what's sort of most essential about what you're doing but it i was wondering sort of where the how do you know where the center of something is but it sounds like you have quite a, a keen sense of what it... yeah i don't know i mean i guess when you're working in an area or medium that you haven't worked in before mm. like obviously i've delivered lots of site-specific installations or do you know what I mean? So, like, I kind of um, know how to work with uh, debriefs, and but none of this is a self-authored thing. I never worked with an agent or publisher, you know, in that way. And so, um, there's a question. There's a, and also, you want to get your work out, and also there are economic realities of like mm. how you. <laughs> so mm. you can't ignore that, right? So I'm not like a. I don't have a, a private income or anything like that. I don't have. But however, I do have a very thin sense of, yeah, the core of what I do and that it has its value and mm. so um so I don't know the answer to that I guess um that you just trust that the the, the that I'm just going to trust that the right person comes along who'll see the the core value of what I'm doing and I know it'll, it'll need to evolve and change mm. you know and I'm really open I love I'd love to work with an editor you know properly and um uh, um and also we can't always we don't always know the time frame of when we create something and when it gets out into the world mm. and I'm a bit older now, so I'm less in a kind of like, oh my God, quick, gotta, you know, so okay, so <laughs> step by step sometimes, but I guess it's giving it, if you give it that, it's like paying attention to it, giving it regular, paying attention regularly enough, so um, mm. it's, um, and just taking the little steps to, and just being vigilant, I suppose, as to making sure it keeps its its core nature. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, with my work, I compromise a lot because public installation work, you do because you've got restrictions of the space or the certain kind of people you're working with or the budget's tiny or, like, I quite enjoy that. Uh, yeah, I'm not really rigid and, you know, I have this great idea and it has to be like this. Yeah. I have, a, have an idea and, ah, oh, it could be like this as long as it's delivering an experience that's consistent with the experience that I originally felt it could give and that's okay we kind of have to be flexible too and maybe that's just me not everyone's like that but yeah but when it comes to yeah solo authored things yeah that's a slightly different so well, it's a test isn't it to see someone goes ah oh, take out the bit about your mum <laughs> <laughs> well actually no she's like the main <laughs> it's not going to happen <laughs> yeah that's, that's but you know idea. maybe consider this changing this bit or this does, you know like mm. I, I do actually enjoy that having like getting guidance around mm. things you know in, in areas of practice that I'm you know relatively 
new at. Mm. And you, have you had experiences where you've said, uh, you know, the, the invitation to change something has compromised what was essential about what you wanted to make yeah. so fundamentally that you push back and say, well, that's, you're not my, uh, you're not my ally. Yeah. Yeah. I have. So you need to be prepared to do that. Yeah. It does make me think, um, given that things uh, can evolve and you're open to them evolving mm-hmm. and taking different forms, how do you know when you're done with something? How do you know this this project, this thing has had its uh, the attention I want to give to its life? Mm-hmm. Is that clear or, or are things always open? Um, you mean with projects? Yeah. Mm. Well, sometimes the funding isn't there anymore. Okay, it's highly <laughs> practical. <laughs> um, but I actually think of it as a continuum. So, for right. example, mm. if I get commissioned to do something, like when I did that Revolutionary Makers thing for the mm. City of Culture, mm. then from that I was took I was asked to do quite a lot of craftivism-based things. And now they're coming into um, other projects and then there's a month and so so they're kind of a continuum and it's like, okay, is this still a useful, is this still an effective way of working with people, for example, that might be a measure. Yeah. You know, is it producing what I want it to produce or does it excite me still? Mm. Or is there obviously clear value in it for me and others? Or um, if, if I feel like it's not, I have had things where, <laughs> you know, I did that gifts piece. Yeah. You know, and I got approached and like someone wanted kind of a version of that, but for about a tenth of the money or something, you know, in a, in a, in a really like a completely inappropriate space or, like, no, you yes, can't do right. that. Um, so then you go, but you could do this or something, you know, or you could do a workshop or you could. Mm. So I do tend to want to make things happen if they're, but, or, so, but, you know, as a freelance artist, or, or like I said, it's like, also you have, trying to um you know make it work because it's public public art is a bit like being in public it's public service it's not big money at all yeah so you also have to look at you know mm, resources and time and you know it, are you learning something new like i'm doing a project <clears throat> uh in brighton for um comedia and uh, for this um hijack international women's day and um and it's like Oh, it's a, a, all around kind of, um, it's for families, but it's a kind of piece of writing performance around um, challenging, uh, you know, uh, gender stereotypes, but also looking at gender variants in different cultures and devising. St- and it's like, oh, that's, that's, that, I've been thinking about that a lot. And like the chance to be paid to research that and devise something is like, so I'm learning. Mm. If I'm, if I'm in my, it's like, if there's opportunity for learning and evolving my thinking and contributing as well, um, and it excites me, then that's great. Um, of course, if, if everyone goes, here's a shed load of money to do that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, then, then, which doesn't often happen with public funding, mm. but, you know, um, and they w- want you to do... And I don't often get that, though, because my work's not, like, that replicable because it's so specific to community or place. So I'm not... It's not like a gallery where you go... I ha- when I was a painter, it'd be like, oh, can you do ten versions of this drawing or whatever and I'd be and I'd struggle yeah because of that that was not yeah I would struggle with that kind of thing I did try and didn't do it very well so I'm not great on that mm. as much as I love do I love making things and things but um so maybe I'm not that kind of artist but, but I um 
What was your question? <laughs> it was uh, well, uh, so it was about how you know when something's done. So, I, uh, oh, how's it done? Yeah. yeah. But actually, what I heard. I mean, was, writing and stuff as well. Well, yeah, I suppose. But what was interesting when you write you said, the end at the, the end. The end. <laughs> the end question mark. The end question mark. Yeah. yeah. But there's something about um, I heard is seeing that as a continuum and actually perhaps, you know, holding the idea of a discrete project quite lightly. You know, there, there's um, the, the essence of it may continue on in, in some form. Yeah, I, yeah, I do see things as a long, like that kind of. Yeah. Constant That's timeline. Although sometimes you're done with like the book of debts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I did say we did ten books. Did nine. I was really burnt out by the end, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there is no one still intended. open. People occasionally put stories in. Mm. Um, but I'm like, I don't think I can go back there unless it was for a really. Yes. You know, this is a really relevant context. And things come back around, I guess. Yeah, things they do. Yeah. Might... People say, people say oh, it's really relevant now, Lena. I was like, well, like, back then it was relevant because no one was really talking about it and that was interesting for me now there's yes. loads of projects around that because it's so in our faces what's yeah. going on you know the delusion of money that doesn't really exist you know being used as a commodity and people yeah. being oppressed by that and all those things and artists are doing great stuff more even more interesting than what I was doing in a way some people are doing great projects around that so it's like why would I do that mm. so sometimes you do know yeah creative fallow period you know the oh yeah yeah the the autumn into win winter mm. kind of um space what is it that you turn to that to like re-inspire or nourish or, you know does that change is there, are there some touchstone things that help oh, i can i can talk about that because that's just what i've been is it going through right yeah because um yeah i mean i've had a very busy sort of last decade and then, um, and then I've got a bit old, like I've hit 50. Oh, I say that. Yeah, I can finally say that. I'm proud. I hit 50 this year. Um, also, some big things happened, and I was writing this book. Mm. And um, it was a bit like, you know, having a baby. It was like, it was a really thing. But I mean, in between what the paid work I was doing, I was just birthing this book slowly, slowly, slowly. And part of the story of the book was connected to caring for somebody, and they, that became part of the story. And, and then um, by the, like, literally the day after I handed in them, <laughs> sent off the, 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 you know, the sample chapters and everything, yeah, my body seized up, so my back went. And so, and that's happened before. And it's mm. always a signal that you can't, you have to stop. I literally couldn't move, like, for a lot of the summer. Uh, and um, and, uh, and it, it's happened periodically over the last decade when I, just really pushed myself too much. And I, I used to tear around a lot doing projects all over the place and also having kids and, you know, the, the whole thing. And, and you know, and, and um, you know, trying to make it all work on different levels. Um, and so, but this time, because it was quite a serious thing with the disc, and I just thought I, I really have to listen to that. And um, I found myself also just emptied out. Mm. Uh, I think something from that, something with the book because the book was almost like a reflection on the last twenty years as well. You know, it was like kind of something about it was like a punctuation mm -hmm. point in the end. And um, and I found myself apart from um, 
situations where I was doing workshops, which did quite a lot of this year, so it's about other people's creativity. Mm. Um, for myself, like I am, um, normally I'll be always something on the go, whether that's writing or making, um, just completely um, nothing. Not nothing, but not the um, desire to that desire that comes to kind of write, you know, create mm. the next thing and and um, and because uh, I was burnt, I was quite burnt out. Mm. But also, um, having done the mindfulness work, when I started that last year. Mm. I just took it as a signal that I had to um, have a different relationship to um, myself and to my work, and as an opportunity to slow right down, like seriously. And see where that would lead, you know. And so um, well, that was difficult on many, le many levels. It's been really good, and it's only now. So let's say that was uh, end of July. Now we're December. Last night I had a dream that I had a baby. I'm not going to have any more babies, but <laughs> it was a signal to me, and I woke up with some ideas. Right. Yeah. After just going, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. Can't think of it. I mean, I've had some the. Apart from like commissions where it's about, you know, ideas for working with people, other people, but in terms of my own like downloading. Yes. So not I wasn't down I've not been downloading direct, you know, another book or I mean I have ideas but so I just like I'm gonna surrender to this fellow period. So every day I'll once I was up and running, I'll go I go out and I go into nature and I do yeah, I just do this reflective walking I try and do some like lying down practice or practices, different practices where I'm trying to get back right back into my body and breathing. And for me, I was like a real, I mean, I'm quite a yang rushing around, yeah. like full energy person. And so it's like I've had to learn how to be different in my approach to everything. And that's challenging to slow. Mm, yeah, it's right really counter now. countercultural as well. Yes, yeah, really is. And but actually, it felt like it was a great investment. I mean, it's not financially great because I, I had to turn down some projects mm. that were like London and would involve lots of physically moving around or trying to pull off big things for little money that I knew would involve lots of energy. Or but um, but I just had this signal that if you don't invest this time now to just embrace the emptiness. Yeah. So I'm no longer, I think from the mindfulness stuff, I'm no longer afraid of the emptiness. Mm. And that is terrifying because I, I, I've had mm. a similar space. And I mean, mm. you know, I've talked a bit about that, a similar experience of slowing down. Mm. And it can feel, to open yourself to that, can feel like, well, what if I don't ever do anything again? Yeah. What if, and then, and then if I don't do anything, then who am I? Yeah, that was my thing. Yeah. You know, that real sense of identifying, you know, what I do is who I am. Um, yes. And letting all of that go is very challenging and because the context we're in as well does not no. <laughs> look um no, exactly. favorably or not it's a bit of a strange thing yeah exactly yeah so this thing of like so have you been busy yes <laughs> it's just why i'm so, like i don't want to you yeah, know what i mean yeah, play yeah, along that with that question either. anymore yeah, yeah. Uh, things have been happening but you know i'm not going to get into like yes i've been really busy yes, yes things have been happening productivity um, i'm a busy the, yeah pro the yeah the productivity of, yeah yeah, yeah. Because I think you can be really productive and not seem to be seem to seem to be doing that much. Yes. Like I like you know um, things have happened, you know, and I have yeah things have been happening at other levels or things have been happening in our family or mm. you know other things have been falling into place or the timing of things like has changed that has meant that 
things make a lot more sense. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's a luxury and a privilege to be able to do that. And, like, yeah, it's not something we can really afford. I can't afford not to ever do anything mm. for six months, really. I mean, I have done things. But just a very different approach. It's a mindset more. Right. It's like, okay, this is a period where not that lot, not so much is really happening that's burgeoning up. But I'm responding to things that are coming my way. But I'm going to take some time. And sometimes, yeah, I'll take that time. And it feels like, wow, you know, stillness. Quite, and, and overcoming what... I don't I think I was ever fearful of that. Like, I really enjoy solitude. Yes. Quite a solitude that I love. I love the silence. Like, the silent retreat, totally in my element. Yeah. I, I like that too. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, some people yeah. do hate that, right? They find it really difficult. I mean, yeah. they find it difficult. So I think I'm at home with that. Um and, you know, really writing emerges from that. That's why I think I've been able to write because I got more friendly with that as a state of being that's not scary. So from that, that was last year I did the first mindfulness. I think that that helped me to be able to kind of channel that yeah. different way of working, which is sitting, you know, sitting and just, yeah, just showing up for it in, you know, regular practice it's like a regular practice isn't it mm. show up and write every day is a regular practice no matter what you write whether it's whatever it is mm. I mean, judging it and then eventually after six months like oh or nine months or whatever there's a book it's like yeah. wow you know that's that's quite a quite gentle way in a way of creating compared to what i've done before which is like massive installations involve loads of different elements and <laughs> driving yeah forward. yeah and dragging around materials yeah. and you know and negotiating and and yeah the sense yeah. I get from that sort of the other other way of being is yeah the open um, inviting being open mm. and showing up um, in it sort of open and, and and let it's a kind of a letting go of something of trying to, to drive something or influence something yeah. um, and the mindset thing there the, and the other thing that you said was interesting is really seeing it as an investment you know yeah. to be in, in that state and that what arise arise um, and we you know it's like yeah. You have to contend with the narratives of fear around scarcity mm. and things, won't you? You'll get be forgotten that you'll be invisible, you know, like <laughs> all those things, you know, like, um, I mean, I'm always doing some projects. There's always something going on that people can see I'm doing, yes. <laughs> you know, but I'm doing a lot less than I did and I'm, I'm more select, you know, more selective in where, um, and I like to work with people that it, I, you know, I like to work in healthful, if I can, healthful situations with people right so um uh but i think i'm just just yeah shifting the way that i the way that i work mm. it's a lot yeah um that just me i don't want to don't want to travel the world with and you know and get my work out in different ways but it just means that i feel that we have to i think when you have a period of time where particularly when your your body stops you or you're not getting the same signals from about to, to move in the direction of something that you was always really moved you or whatever certain way of working. You have to, yeah, it's like listen to that and then, you know, don't push, you know. Because when mm. I push before, it's like, mm, yeah, mm. sort of trust it. And um, which doesn't mean you let go of everything. And you can't if you, you know, you're obviously like supporting a family and you know what I mean? And there are things to be done. But... You just honour that there's time every day where, and maybe it's more time than it was, where you just go, all oh, right, this is just for being. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I woke up really early, so I get that. 
as well in the mornings. Before everyone wakes up. I do that too, actually. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Begin the good, day with it? that space. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's a grounding place yeah. to, to, to come back to. Mm. Yeah. I think we'll have to wrap up there. Thank you very much for sharing your time with me. Thank it's you. Really it's been really, really interesting. There's lots good of really juicy stuff there, I think, for people to think really? about. Yeah. As an offer. Yeah. Without presuming it. Yes. <laughs> Little gift. Pleasure. That's cool. some good stuff in there there's some good stuff i really like the conversation about creative fallow periods and uh, being with emptiness and nothingness and listening into what's arising about what's coming next it's a really important part of the creative life cycle that sometimes um yeah that narrative around productivity and all of that kind of thing and scarcity doesn't prompt us to give ourselves the time to do. Since recording this conversation, I've spoken with Alina and excitingly her, the book project, the writing um, that she was talking about in this conversation has found some backing and support. So she's going to be developing that um, in the near future. So if you're interested in where that's come from um, and how it's going to manifest itself, do go and check out Alina's website, which does a great job of giving an overview of all of the different artworks and projects she's been involved with over the years. If you have found inspiration or encouragement uh, in listening to this conversation, let me know. It's, I'm always interested to hear about what's resonating for people with where they're at in how they're creating and living. And of course, why not join us again next time? If you haven't already, subscribe for when that next episode pops up. And you can always visit my website, paulmccauley.net, for all of the previous episodes of the podcast, as well as other stuff that I'm doing, including my daily practice project, which might be useful if you're interested in the day-to-day hows and practices um, about making something happen. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. Bye.